Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the New Orleans Saints. This is the Saints Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Here's your host, Ryan O'Leary and Saints Wire editor, John Siegler. Hey, John, the Saints survived the Bears in overtime, 26-23. More the same, right? The Saints not really playing or looking like a legit Super Bowl contender like we thought they would be entering 2020, but they're not losing. They're finding a way to win these games. They're 5-2, and two, right there in position to take back control of the NFC South this week against the Bucks. So all's good, but what do you think about this win over the Bears? Oh, for sure. They, they were very fortunate to find a way to win there at the end. Uh, Sean Payton nearly gave the game away with a... Very troubling uh, call on fourth down, then close to the end of regulation. You know, I don't have an issue with the decision to go for it on fourth and one there, but he ran the exact same play that the Saints barely executed earlier mm-hmm. on another fourth down situation. And, I mean, that gave the Bears the ball back in great position. Gosh, we had, had the uh, another blown call by the officials on the, the Mario Davis fumble that was taken off the board. Uh, there's just a lot of weird stuff happening at the end of the game if they're in overtime as well. Thank goodness the Saints in position to kick that wheel up field goal but there at the end of overtime. And, you know, uh, ho- hopefully a lot of the issues we're seeing will get worked out uh, once we get the top half of the wide receiving core back in the mix. Yeah, 100%. We will get there. We will get We always do. We always have a Michael Thomas minute, and we will we will get there for sure. But yeah, yeah, no, a lot of Will Lutz moments late in games this year. But hey, Saints are finding a way, and uh, they make a move at the deadline. They trade for 49ers linebacker Kawan Alexander. You wrote about this on the Saints Wire, John. Add some athleticism to the defense, right? He's only 26 years old. Sounds like the contract is not uh, a terrible situation either for the team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I like the move. I like the decision to try and get better just stacking talent. It reminds me so much of the Janoris Jenkins pickup off the waiver wire late last season where the Saints bring in this veteran who's been kind of up and down. He has a bit of a contract. You got to work around. But you bring him in and instead of settling with what you had, which was you know Eli Apple as the number two corner last year for the Saints, you bring in uh, Jack Rabbit and he plays well enough to earn that number two job full time. And now he's an impact player for the Saints. That's kind of the full, kind of the blueprint, I think, with Quan Alexander. Just looking at who the Saints have under contract at linebacker for the future, it's Demario Davis and a couple of rookies, and that's about it. So if you can bring in Quan and if he can push Alex Anzalone for snaps there at the middle linebacker spot shift Mario back to the weak side spot where he's played his best football, where he was an all-pro last year, he might be uh, kicking with gas a little bit. Um, This could potentially be a very high-reward move for the Saints. Like, yeah, Alexander, he's not a perfect player. He's got injury issues. He leads the NFL in missed tackles since he entered the the (laughs) league. I saw that story on the Saints wire. Yeah, that's not great. Yeah, that's not great, but I mean, he's not going to—he's not going to be missing tackles in Alvin Kamara anymore. You know, they're on—they're on the same team, and that was someone who gave him fits when Alexander was playing for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers his first four years in the league. I, I, I like the move. I like the fit. I, I see—I see the vision here. Hopefully, it pays off for the Saints because they—they they just have got to get it together on defense. And we'll have games where the defensive line is getting pressure, but the coverage is not holding up. Or we've had games where the coverage is playing well, but they can't get pressure. And then we'll have games as well where the linebacker core is not really making much of an impact. Some of that is due to uh, Davis playing out of position in the middle instead of on the weak side. 
hopefully Alexander getting in the mix can even some things out and get everybody in the best position to make a play. Yeah, and you mentioned he had some injury problems, and last year was no different. He was one of those designated IR guys, but he does return for the playoff run and plays for the 49ers all the way through to the Super Bowl, right? So that's he's got experience, too. A younger guy, 26, and he's got experience in the postseason. That's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. You always want to add um, experience to those guys. Those who who have, you know, we always say, well, we want to see them act like they've been there before. And Alexander has been there before. He he played in the the Super Bowl. He helped win several games in the playoffs uh, in very dominant fashion against the Vikings and the Packers, two teams that have given the Saints plenty of issues in recent years. That's important to keep keep in mind here. So especially considering how little they gave up, um, depending on playtime incentives, it's, it's a fifth-round pick either in 2022 if he if Alexander does not reach those goals or if he does play often enough, then it's a fifth-rounder in 2021. So either way, it's, you're not giving up much. Um, they also traded out Kiko Alonso in that move, and he hadn't taken a snap for the Saints this year. So really, that, that's more of a salary dump situation than anything else. I like it. I, I think it's a fairly low-risk move. I mean, worst-case scenario, his high ankle sprain doesn't get better. He doesn't play very often. But you do have another veteran athletic linebacker in the mix who can get into games and keep your backup focusing on their roles on special teams. Yeah, like it's not like there's a ton of linebackers out there to be had, and there's a lot of teams that could use them. So good for the Saints for going out and getting one. I, I think it's a good move. I like it. One player that Saints did not move, John, was Michael Thomas, right? So I guess Sean Payton wasn't lying when he when he told Mike Florio and everyone else that he wasn't going <laughs> to trade Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas continues to be a New Orleans Saint. Nothing to see there, right? I mean, you, you said there was no traction on that at all. There was nothing to see here, and you were right. Sean Payton was right. He wasn't lying. Michael Thomas, still a saint. You know, getting Michael Thomas healthy, getting him back in the mix here after the trade deadline, that might be the biggest move the Saints are, are able to make at the deadline. That's a nice addition. Yeah, it's a nice addition. I mean, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's kind of a funny way to look at it because, you know, he was already on the team, but he has played since week one. Getting him in there, getting the 2019 Offensive Player of the Year back on your squad, back on the field, uh, going against other teams' top receivers, taking pressure off of Alvin Kamara and everyone else on offense, it's huge. And I'm really excited to see him get to work. Hopefully everything goes well with the injury report this week, and he'll be able to suit up on Sunday night. Yeah, and Adam Schefter had an interesting uh, take on the Michael Thomas situation on the Monday Night Football broadcast. Uh, I want to talk to John about that. We'll do that coming up next. Fantasy football is about proving that you are better than your friends. Sit up, start up. These are the fantasy picks of the week. It will kill me if this game ends in a tie. I need this win. This game's pretty much done. With Corey Bonini from TheHuddle.com. Welcome to week number nine. I'm Corey Benini of TheHuddle.com, here to talk to you about strong plays for your fantasy football lineups. All four of these guys are a little bit on the risky side, but that's where we're at this time of the year. Quarterback Derek Carr, the Las Vegas Raiders, out of the Los Angeles Chargers. Carr is quietly on pace for his best fantasy football season to date, even after a lousy week eight game. The Raiders are getting healthier, and the quarterback position has averaged 25.8 fantasy points per game this year against the Bulls. Five quarterbacks have gone for at least 20 points, and three have gone for 24 or more in the last four contests alone. Jets running back LaMichael Pirine should see a pretty healthy workload against the New England Patriots. It probably won't be pretty in terms of yardage, but there's a hint of upside here as a flex play with a player who faces a defense that has given up seven rushing touchdowns on the year, and what's maybe even more alarming is five of them were over just the past two contests. There's hope here for a situational football break to go Pirine's way. 
Another rookie, Jerry Judy, the wide receiver for the Denver Broncos at the Atlanta Falcons. He saw 10 targets last week, and he has averaged nearly seven looks per game when Drew Locke has started all four contests. While the touchdowns haven't been there, this could change in Week 9. Atlanta has given up five touchdowns in five games and eight on the entire season. The matchup is a little better suited for PPR volume, though, which is another reason why you should get him in your lineup. Finally, tight end Greg Olson of the Seattle Seahawks at the Buffalo Bills. The Bills have given up six touchdowns to the position in eight games, helping create four performances of at least 17.8 PPR points. Keep in mind this could be a risky situation, especially seeing as there's so many weapons for Seattle to spread the ball around. We saw last week Olsen can get lost in the shuffle in a hurry. He has an intriguing risk-reward decision with several prized fantasy tight ends either hurt or underperforming. For more fantasy football information, news, and advice, check out thehuddle.com. So John Adam Schefter on the ESPN broadcast on Monday night is talking about Michael Thomas, talks about him dealing with the ankle injury, obviously, since the beginning of the year. Schefter says, I think he's been dealing with the hamstring injury, and I think both sides are not over the feelings that were hurt when Michael Thomas disrespected the coaching staff after he had the fight and didn't want to apologize at that point in time. Is Schefter hinting there that maybe it's less about the hamstring and more about the coaches not really being ready to throw him out there? And this has been like a thing with me. Like, I'm trying to figure out when the hell is Michael Thomas going to play again? You know, every every week I think this is the week. This is the week. And, you know, every time my dreams are shot down, I think Michael Thomas is coming back and he doesn't play. Do you read into those comments at all by Schefter? What do you think about that? You know, I think there probably is still some friction there. Just because this whole situation has been handled, how, how it's been how it's developed how information has been leaked to the media from both parties. But winning cures everything in the NFL. And once they've gotten Thomas back on the field, once he's back out there high-fiving Sean Payton on his way back to the sideline after scoring a touchdown, yeah. I think we're going to see a lot of a lot of these bad, a lot of these um, ill feelings go, go away. So I don't think there's any serious issues here, especially in the short term with a huge NFC South uh, matchup on, on the horizon that Thomas would very much, very badly want to play in and play a big part in, especially with uh, Antonio Brown uh, suiting up for Tampa Bay. That's someone that the Saints came close to partnering him with um, in, in that high-profile tryout uh, late in the 2018 season, uh, 2019 season, excuse me. So I think everybody's motivated to make the most of this, um, get get on the same page, hopefully go win a Super Bowl. Yeah, and you just said it. That was going to be my next point. A.B. will be playing for the Bucks, right? So we know he'll be out there. It's going to be his first game. And Bruce Arians, of course, you can't believe anything that Bruce Arians says because you got to take it all with a grain of salt. <laughs> that guy, he's such a... Yes, sir. Freaking Bruce Arians. You know, he said, oh, he might play 10 snaps. He might play 35. We're not sure yet. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, you'll all find out. Right. So I have a feeling, John, just because Antonio Brown last played for the Patriots out here. So there was a ton of coverage of it. It's where I live. And the media was all over it. And, and Brown comes in. The Patriots bring him in. He doesn't really practice much. He does get out there in that first. He doesn't start, but he was out there like a couple snaps into the first drive. Once he was out there, Brady was just horny. He just threw it to him all the time. <laughs> Whenever Brown was on the field, Brady was throwing him the ball. And I would not be surprised at all in this ball game if Tom Brady is looking Antonio Brown's way early and often whenever he's on the field. Now, I think Brady's still going to look at Mike Evans in the red zone and stuff like that, but between the 20s, if Brown's out there, Brady's going to look at him like he might be Brady's first read because Brady's obsessed with this guy. Brown's living in the mansion, in the Jeter mansion with the with Giselle and the kids, right, John? So, I mean, Brady loves him. I wouldn't be surprised if Brady peppers him with uh, targets and, you know, the Saints are going to have to be ready to guard him. Yeah, the chemistry is obviously there. Um, this is someone that Brady's been pushing for months to bring in 
uh, into the building with him. I'm really convinced that he's just been rebuilding his like uh, 2017 fantasy team. I mean, between uh, Antonio Brown and Leonard Fournette and Sean McCoy and Rob Gronkowski, it just it just really seems like he's trying to get, get the old gang back together. It's, it's like a little, um, uh, it's like a little LeBron James, right? It's like a dream team. Type. He's trying to yeah, build a power like, team. Yeah, it's a avocado crew all over again. Um, which, which with Brady, that might be like a like an avocado avocado ice cream mode, maybe. <laughs> Um, but to me, the storyline of this game is the receivers and the receiver situation for both teams. Yep. Because at Tampa Bay, not only are they at, are they debuting Antonio Brown, they're also uh, getting Chris Godwin back in the mix. He's been one of the best slot receivers in the NFL. He's had some great games against the Saints before, which really hurts to say. And he's going to he's expected to return from a uh, I believe a thumb injury. So he's trending to play on the other side. Godwin is. I wasn't sure yeah, about him. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, he turned in the full practice on Wednesday, and the expectation all along has been for him to return on Sunday night against the Saints. For the Saints, uh, not only are we getting, are we potentially getting Michael Thomas back? We won't know for certain until the injury report comes out. But just from the way he's been participating in, in practice, uh, the way his hamstring injury has been described from various uh, media reports, I, I, I think this is a very strong likelihood for him to return again this week and suit up against Tampa Bay. But not only would the Saints be getting him back, uh, they're, they're potentially getting their number two receiver back in Manny Sanders, who has been on the COVID list the last two weeks. Um, he said on his uh, his podcast, 17 weeks, he records with a few other NFL players um, that he is he's in the clear, he's out of quarantine, he, he's very eager to get back to work. Um, so you get if you get receivers one and two, plus Mark West Callaway, who we saw just two weeks ago, broke out as this uh, rookie phenomenon who, who had a great game there against the Panthers. That's a lot of weapons. That's, that's the entire top half of your receiving core for Drew Brees. And that's just going to have such a ripple effect on the offense. And I really like their chances of matching the Buccaneers, you know, step for step on offense. The defense, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll have to see what happens on that run. Yeah, it's, it's such an It's not surprising at all, John, right? Like everyone's kind of saving their guns, saving the horses for this ball game, right? This Sunday night game, Saints, Bucks, the game that's going to decide who has the driver's seat for the NFC South entering the second half of the season. Everyone's kind of been banged up, not playing this, that, the other thing. Oh, no, everyone's going to go in this game. Everyone's going to play. This is like, it feels like it's, we're heading into a playoff week right here. Like, this is what it is. Yeah, and it very well may be uh, in the sense that whichever team wins here is going to have a very strong lead on the division the rest of the way. Yep. Um, the Saints have a very friendly schedule. If you if you look ahead past this, which we don't look too far ahead, but if, <laughs> if, if we just take, take, take a quick shot, the only opponent with a winning record the Saints have left at the time of recording, of course, is the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, they, they've got two division, two two NFC South rivalry games with the Falcons. Those are always difficult, but the Falcons are bad this year, and the Saints know how to beat them. They've got to close out the season against Carolina. They've got road games with the Eagles, who are bad, the Broncos, who are bad when they're not playing the Chargers. And you've got some very winnable games on the horizon. You know, we've got the somehow the Minnesota Vikings found a way to beat the Packers uh, this, this past week. And, that, you know, that's our Christmas Day game this year. So that, that that's obviously one to watch. The Vikings, they've won only two or three games in the first eight weeks. It's very possible that if the Saints can take care of their business against Tampa Bay, they could go on a run here, and that could 
you know, potentially carry them all the way to a, a number one, number two, maybe maybe number three seed in, in the NFC playoff picture. Yeah, this is this is the game. All eyes are on this game. And coming up next, John and I will look at the point spread. The Saints are underdogs going to Tampa where there are going to be some fans and there's going to be some riled up fans. No, there won't be a lot, but it'll seem like a lot. Uh, so we'll talk about the line, the over-under, all that, and the Saints' chances of knocking off the Bucks in probably the game of the year so far. We'll do that coming up next. <laughs> It's that time again for the line of the week. The inside track to the favorites, the underdogs, and the over-unders. I think I want my money back. Now, here are Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire. Hello, I'm Eston McLaren of Sportsbook Wire and Bet Slippin' Podcast. I'm joined by Jeff Clark to break down all you need to know to bet on the Week 9 Sunday night football matchup between the New Orleans Saints and Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Bucs, they're 6-2 coming in. Five and a half point favorites, minus 110 odds. The Saints, 5-2, plus 5.5 underdogs, minus 110 odds again. Big NFC South battle. Bucks come in in first place. Jeff, can they hold on against the New Orleans Saints? Everyone's down on Drew Brees right now, and it feels a little ageist to me. Old man Drew is seventh in the league in QBR, and he hasn't had his two best weapons on the field for most of the year. Speaking of which, he should be getting back wide receiver uh, Michael Thomas, who is the reigning offensive player of the year. And the Saints' defense is improving. They've even invested here at the trade deadline by acquiring former San Francisco 49ers linebacker Quan Alexander. Give me the Saints plus the points. I'm taking the Bucs. I like them. You're talking about Michael Thomas coming back. Antonio Brown's debut for the Buccaneers. That Bucks defense looking great as well. Second in the NFL with 28 sacks. Subscribe to Bet Seven Podcasts on your favorite app. Please be sure to rate and review. John Saints, five-point underdogs going to Tampa Bay where they're, like I said before the break there, there will be some fans in the stands, and that kind of blows for the Saints that they played the Bucks at home in week one when in an empty stadium. The Bucks are going to have some fans on a Sunday night. Antonio Brown's first game. I just have a feeling the, uh, the great people of Tampa Bay, who have had plenty to cheer about with sports, by the way, with their Lightning winning the Stanley Cup, the Rays played in the World Series, the Buccaneers are on the short list of NFC Championship contenders, right? I mean, Tampa Bay sports is kind of rocking right now. I think they've got a lot of... They they're going to have a good following. However many fans are allowed in that stadium, we're going to be there. And they're going to be loud and cranked up, I think, for this game. So it's kind of a tough spot for the Saints. And the line kind of shows Saints getting five points. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think that's realistic. Just looking at how well the Buccaneers have been playing recently on both sides of the ball. They're one of the few teams to be scoring a lot of points on offense and limiting their opponents to very few points on defense. Now, they have been a fairly fairly high variance team. I mean, we saw them go into halftime against the Giants uh, this past Monday night trailing, which is uh, very odd. Not not many expected that. You know, Brady hates the, the Giants, Giants, John. Bra- the, the Giants have been bra- in Brady's head since I was in college. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, he, he uh, thinks there's 11 Michael Strahan's yes, out there. Yes, 100%. You're 100% um, right. Yes. <laughs> the Bucks can be beaten. The Saints proved that in week one. I'm sure that the Tampa Bay home crowd, crowd is going to make their presence known. But just the stakes, I mean, the stakes could not be higher. And the Saints have a game like this every year. You know, last year's matchup was with the 49ers. That was, they, they lost that 48 to 46. The year before that, the really pivotal game on their schedule was there in week 16 against the Pittsburgh Steelers, where the Steelers needed to win the game just to make the playoffs. And the Saints needed to win that game to cure the number one seed. Saints found a way to do it, but wouldn't you know who was there but Antonio Brown. 
and he cooked the same secondary that, you know, he, Marshawn Lattimore had one of his better games in coverage against Brown, and it didn't matter because Brown was still winning on so many contested catch situations, running, making plays after the catch. I mean, he, he was just electric, and it really explains why, why Brady coveted him so strongly despite all of the baggage he brings with him. I mean, there's so much weighing on this game. I would love to say that fans are going to go in there, shock everyone, and pull, pull off the upset. I'm just not convinced that their defense has shown enough firepower and played consistently enough to steal a win in this situation. I'll give the Bucks a nod on this one, but you, I mean, as always, we'll be pulling for the black and gold. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think I'm touching the line. I, I think the, the five points on either side, I don't I don't love it. That's a tough line. It's a tough line. I think the Saints are a good football team that we have not seen their best football, and we could easily see it on Sunday night, especially, like you said, John, if all their weapons are back. I don't think I'm touching the line. I'm looking at the over-under, though. The over-under right now is 51 and a half, and I'm on the under. I'm on the under in this game. Like I said, I think this is a playoff type of game. I think every yard is going to be tough. It's going to be contested. We just saw the Saints win a game over the Bears in the low 20s, and I think this is that kind of game. I think 24-21, 24-17, 23-20, something like that. I, I think the score is. I think the score is going to be down. I'm on the under. What do you think about that? Oh man, I, I'm hitting the over here. So. Oh, okay. oh no, no, school <laughs> um, me, school I, I, me. I, I, that, yeah, man. So I think that you know the Bucks have been have been so hot on offense. Now they're adding two two very high quality receivers to the mix. I think Brady is going to do everything he can to show off his uh, his new toys with, with Brown. If Brown, Brown could only play 10 snaps, like Arian laughably suggested, but Brady could find a way to throw to him on all 10 of those down. He's going to do the best that he can to get his guys in scoring position to show off just how impressive they are on such a big stage. And fans are going to be having the same mindset because, I mean, from their perspective, they've been overlooked and they have deserved to be overlooked from how poorly they've played at times, some of these games that they've lost. And this is a great opportunity for them to reintroduce Michael Thomas to the world. It'll be a very interesting matchup. I think we've got two fairly high-powered offenses, and I'm not as great as the Buccaneers' defense has played throughout the season. I think they have some vulnerabilities that the Saints can exploit. Uh, they've got some defensive backs that are a little slow, little slow to, to read and react, a little slow to put their hips in coverage. We saw it in week one. Uh, I believe it was Jamal Dean was the victim on Jared Cook's uh, long touchdown or his long play back in week one. And he was he had another bad moment in coverage against, against the Giants. A better quarterback than Daniel Jones could take advantage of that. And Drew Brees might not be the Drew Brees of old, but he has still been, you know, at worst an above average quarterback this season. I'm, I'm taking the over on this one. I don't know that the Saints will come out come out ahead, but I do think we're going to see a lot of points scored on Sunday night. All right, so it's up to the listeners now. Who do you trust more? I think I trust John more. I think I trust John a little bit more on this. I think he knows what he's talking about, John. You're a lot smarter than me. So now I'm gonna have to rethink what I was. I, I just thought, you know, I just thought. You know, like, you know how it is in a big game, a playoff type of game. Everything's going to be a little bit more contested. I expect the defenses on both sides to play a little bit better. But now I'm going to have to go rethink myself. I was I was all over the over under here on this game. I love the under. Now I'm going to have to rethink it. Thanks a lot, man. <laughs> hey, we'll see what happens, right? That's the beauty of the NFL. So uh, this is going to be fun. This is going to be fun. Have a great week and enjoy it. All right, John? Yeah, I'm looking, looking forward to it. Uh, look, looking forward to uh, no hurricane disrupting everything this time. So. No doubt. Should should be a fun game. Uh, very eager to see how this one plays out. Join us next week, and we'll break it all down on the Saints Wire podcast. Go, go, go. 
USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.